Hello and welcome to an episode of the O3C podcast, coming to you from two sides of the pond. My name is Jonathan Dunn and my transatlantic friend is Casper Meyerowitz. Hello, hello. I don't have a thing, I will record it later. And we are chatting <laughs> all about <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. Announcement! Announcement! Before we dive into this latest episode of our spoiler special sub-series, we just want to point you in the direction of a few things. First of all, head over to our website, o3c.games. First thing you'll see on there, newsletter sign up. Sign up to the newsletter. There we go. Easy. Done. It's great. Every week you get stuff in your inbox of what me and Chris have been playing. There'll be blasts from the past with old episodes and videos. There's thoughts, there's top tens, there's pets. It's great. Just sign up. It's lovely. It's, it, you, you won't regret it. If you do, you can unsubscribe. Don't. Also, while you're on our website, below the newsletter sign up is a join the Discord link. Join us over in the Discord it's a great place to be. There's loads of us there chatting about video games. It's lovely, it's kind, it's patient, and above all, it's just reveling in the joy of video games. Lastly, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash O3C Games. We're not really offering anything in the way of Patreon perks anymore, because we just want everybody to be a part of everything that we do. But if you do want to contribute financially to the running of the show, we'd be hugely appreciative of that. And that Patreon link is uh, the place to do that. So welcome back to our ongoing Tears of the Kingdom spoiler special sub-series, a selection of episodes dedicated to pure, unadulterated wallowing in the glorious puddle of Zelda. This is part three of two planned episodes. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's, it's, run, it's run away with us. It's run away with us. We probably won't even get halfway through everything we want to talk about. It's fitting based on the game. You know, you think you're going to do something and you think, well, I got about an hour left. And then 10 hours later, you're not doing what exactly. you're supposed to do. Exactly. Exactly the same. Exactly. We are, we are absolutely on topic for getting sidetracked. Yeah. So far, we have covered the story of the game, the world, the side quests, the side adventures, the NPCs, all manner of other lovely little things. And this episode, we are going to be discussing the new abilities that Link has in this game, how they work, why they're awesome, and also venturing into the brand new shrines that litter the land. Shall we dive straight in and talk about Link's magic arm? I think we have to. I mean, this is the game's main way of explaining how Link can do all the new things he can do. It's an ancient magical zombie arm that attaches itself to Link to save his life and give him the ability to control pretty much everything and anything in this world. Mm. That's, that's, that's about it, right? Right, and, you know, he doesn't have his old ones because they were part of the Sheikah power thing. So, let's talk about the new abilities in this game. Like, yeah. we didn't know what these were going to be for quite a long time uh, mm -hmm. during the development of the game. There was a lot of speculation about how that side of things would work in the game. Would we keep the old rune abilities from Breath of the Wild? You know, how would the world work if we couldn't use those runes, if we couldn't move metal objects or make blocks of ice uh, or charge potential energy into kinetic energy or throw 
pathetically underpowered bombs at will <laughs> how how would the world work you know it's everything in breath of the wild's hyrule felt like it was designed to be manipulated with those tools yeah but my goodness nintendo really delivered in expanding things i mean 10,000 fold in the new abilities i mean it's wonderful to see them essentially respond to how gamers continued to enjoy breath of the wild for the succeeding years since its release namely fucking about with everything <laughs> like it, it it's mad that even like seven years after its initial release there are still new things being found in breath of the wild yeah. new limits to push it yeah. in i think it would keep up if if they hadn't released tears of the kingdom almost yeah. certainly almost and probably certainly. still does just probably a little less you know it's just it's endless fun just seeing people on tiktok who have found a way of like chaining a bunch of shit to other shit using a combination yeah. of like magnesis and octo balloons and maths to make the game do something totally ridiculous and so nintendo basically just said here you go you can pick up everything glue everything to everything have fun yeah they did I'll give a quick overview of the five main abilities you have, and then we'll dive in a little deeper. The abilities you have in Tears of the Kingdom are Ultra Hand. This is what you use to pick stuff up, move it around, and it also allows you to glue things to other things. So this ranges from chopping down trees, gluing the logs together to make a raft, uh, finding some big wheels and gluing four of them to a slab of stone to make a car. I mean, those are literally the two most boring examples I can give making you. Making a giant bridge, which is how... People, I think 90% of people just sold every issue in the, in the game. It's part of the joy of this game is discovering all the different things you can build and the ridiculous mm -hmm. way you can combine all the different elements. Yeah. That leads me on to the second ability, which is fusion. And this basically allows you to fuse anything to a weapon or a shield or an arrow. So if you want to make your sword stronger, you can fuse a rock to it. Uh, if you want to make fire arrows, fuse something flammable to an arrow. If you want to make your shields bouncy, put a mushroom on there. If you want to increase the attack or defense or element status, anything of anything, you can do it. Like mm -hmm. Some of the items in the game unlock all new mechanics, like the puff shrooms, which you can throw or fuse to an arrow to send further uh, that will summon a shrouding cloud, allowing you to gain the element of stealth back right. again. Or you could send a muddle bud fused to an arrow into the head of an enemy to make it attack its friends. It's unbelievable. Third ability, Ascend. Now, Ascend is an incredibly handy new mechanic that works perfectly with the extraordinarily enhanced verticality in this game. True. And Ascend basically allows you to travel through the ceiling and appear through the floor of what's above it, uh, providing it's within a certain height and it's not too hilly. You can quickly find your way out of caves or up towers, through sky islands, through enemies even. It's a remarkably fun way of getting around and uh, the, the way they've designed so much of the terrain around utilising this is quite wonderful. And it really is. The first time I realised you could ascend through a stone talus uh, to get on its back... That was a great time indeed. Yeah. The fourth ability is Recall, which allows you to send an object back in time along its own path of activity. So if a rock has fallen from the sky onto the ground, you could jump on top of it, use Recall on it, and it will rewind and zip back up into the sky and you're on top of it. 
or if one of your creations falls off a cliff, uh, you could quickly target it and rewind it back to you. There are all kinds of ways of using this, especially as you can trigger the moment it stops, uh, which basically then halts its movement, allowing an amazing amount of control and versatility over how you're manipulating stuff that you've already had a huge amount of control and versatility over how you're building. I think that was the power when I went back to Breath of the Wild for like a couple of hours after mm. finishing Tears of the Kingdom. That was, Recall was the one that I'm like, can't live without it. <laughs> it was, and I figured it out when I tried to do a, a, a puzzle with the metal uh, magnesis and the, the little piece of metal plummeted way, way low. And of course, was out of reach of the magnesis or anything. And I didn't have, and of course, immediately my thought was like, I'll just recall that up and couldn't do it. And then I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> the final ability you get is uh, essentially an extension of your Ultra Hand uh, ability. It's called Auto Build, which basically allows you to save your builds that you've made for quick, easy access. But you can also unlock a bunch of schematics from the Yiga clan's hideouts in the depths for their pre-made designs, all kinds of vehicles, tools and weapons. And they're, they are absolutely super. Very Mad Max. It's very Mad Max, yeah. <laughs> And auto build is nicely implemented as well because you don't have to have all of the required materials for the construction to hand. You can supplement it with some of your Zonite stock to magically summon the missing pieces or, or build it in its entirety even. Right. I mean, all in all, it's just the most phenomenal toolkit that you've got. It makes even the most complex of pure sandbox games pale in comparison. Every single one of these is like a could be a whole game. Exactly. Every every ability in in the game, and there actually are like there's yeah. certain games that are like that. It's like yeah, I have one thing. It's rewind. You know, you're like okay. But when you consider that these are just mechanics in an enormous action adventure game, its story, mm -hmm. its world, it's quite staggering what they've achieved, and you can see why they took so many years to make the game and to refine it to make it all work because it's a phenomenal amount of control that they've handed over to the player. So. They had to ensure that the playground was suitably stable enough to yeah. withstand this level of play. It's. I mean, imagine if Bethesda had released this game. Does that oh. <laughs> none of so it would boring. work. No, exactly. <laughs> it would be boring and none of it would work. Let's dive a little deeper. Let's chat through these abilities now and we'll talk a little bit more about why they're so incredible the different uses for them and our favourite moments using them throughout our adventure. So, let's do it. Ultra Hand. How much did you enjoy picking stuff up and gluing it to other stuff? You know, what's what's funny, I think every single one of these, this probably applies to all of them. When you first get the ability, you get each of these in a shrine, very similarly to uh, Breath of the Wild, right? And each shrine teaches you, like, here are, like, a couple of ways you can use this. So you're like, oh, this is cool, you know, and you get a couple of ideas. And it's very like, oh, this is going to be great. But you don't really, really understand, probably for a good 20 hours, mm. you know, really what you have. And that's what's incredible about each, each one of these. You keep forgetting, you know, in the first 20, first 10, okay, first 10 hours, probably. I kept forgetting I had all of these constantly. Yeah. Especially Ascend. I just kept forgetting I had Ascend. But you keep forgetting what you have that's the testament to it. Like you remember like, oh, I have this thing. I can glue stuff together. But then you forget like it doesn't just do that. You can like grab something from the limit of with Ultra Hand. You can grab something from the limit. Let's say you're like, 10 feet away. 
you grab something and then you could lift that all the way up and put it somewhere. Mm. So there's all sorts of things. It's not just gluing things. It's like you have this ability to put something somewhere else. And then what's incredible about Ultra Hand and all of these is you can blend it with recall. Mm. You know, you can hold something up in the air with Ultra Hand above you for, let's say, 20 seconds in the game. Then you put recall on it. Then you have a platform that stays in the air for 20 seconds, the, the yeah. amount of time you just did it. And you can use Ascend to go through it. It's yeah. mind-blowing. It is. It's mind-blowing. It really is. And when you start understanding how all of these things interplay, it's astonishing. But just to stick to Ultra... Pun intended. <laughs> stick to, to stick to Ultra Hand. The amount of time where you're just gleefully looking around and just thinking... Ooh, I can do this. I can glue this together. I can put this. I can glue that. It's amazing. And the first time you realize that you can glue a Korok, well, oh, yeah. you can glue his his backpack. Because, yeah. you know, you can't glue human beings. You can't, anything that's alive cannot be glued, which is yeah. some sort of, you know, limitation. The first time you realize you can put a Korok, <laughs> you know, when you realize you have to bring him to his friend, you're like, well, but isn't he going to fall off? And you're like, you, you, you know you grab him oh i can grab him and yeah. then you're like wait 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 i can attach him too then it's mind-blowing i'd always try and find like a creative strategy to um to pairing those koroks up but if i couldn't think of something my go-to was getting a horse with its towing <laughs> harness on and yeah. just gluing the korok to the back of it and <laughs> riding riding halfway across the world for him to go <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Mine was the, the airplane thing, the schema glider with the... Uh... The truck wheels on the bottom, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So you could like actually fly it like a plane, like you can take off and land. That's what I did for most of them, because I did do all of those. But I always loved it. Attaching them to the plane, they would always be pissed off. It never got old. It just never got old, no. which is amazing. I think a real highlight for me with Ultra Hand was meeting Addison. For the yes. first time, who is the Hudson fanboy? He is uh, taking it upon himself to erect loads of Hudson for President signs. First of all, you see you see this guy struggling to put up a sign, and he asks you for some help. And basically, the sign is is going to fall over if he if he lets go of it. And then you have to have a look around, try and build some sort of apparatus to to stabilize it to stop it from falling over. It might just be you know a couple of logs just to prop it up. And then uh, you get him to let go. It stands and hooray, you did, you did it. And I'm like, oh, that was, that was a fun little thing. Then inevitably you bump into him again, putting up another sign. And it was at this point when I realised just how much versatility there is out of something so small. Yeah. Because there's, I don't know how many signs there are. 70? 80. 80. 80. There we I go. I think 80 something. There's 80 of these all over the world. And every single one needs to be solved slightly differently and it's never boring it's no. never boring this sort of creative excitement that i got from realizing that i was going to have to solve these puzzles the same way with like the koroks and pairing mm -hmm. the koroks up and like oh man i just can't wait to think of all the new ideas you know that the these next opportunities will give me with addison for a long time i i sort of made like a little what what was like the perfect scaffolding that i was like that's like a multi-purpose scaffolding. Like mm -hmm. I can, I can save that with auto build. And if I find another one, I can just summon that and bam, 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 bam. Not only is that not fun no. after it was fun the first time I did it because that was a creative way of solving yeah. 
right. that one. But yeah. then I was like, oh, that's not as fun doing that. Um, and, and also the sheer variety of places and environments and um, coordinations of the signs and everything get so ridiculous that there isn't a one size fits all. No. Well, um, unless <laughs> there is the, the one zone eye device, floating, isn't the there? floating device that you can lift it up and then you can essentially just let it go. And then you maybe use another one to stabilize it more. And then it, there's yeah. zero way it, uh, but that's again, it's the, uh, the easy way out. And it's not, it's not really fun. It's not fun. And like with, uh, we'll come on to talking about something in fusion that is, um, is a bit of a go-to for problem solving. It's like when you realize you've got one way of making something work that you mm -hmm. can replicate. Yeah, that is cool. But after you do it a couple of times, it's not, like, it's not fun. It feels cheap. But it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like that's the game's fault because mm. the game is what you make it, you know, in terms of like how you and, and some people might want to do that. They might want to go, yeah. oh, fine, I'm just going to stock up on flying platforms and I can go and do all the Addison guys. That's that's fun. Yeah, 100% speedrunner. Like yeah. That. But speaking of Ultra Hand, something that we uh, we haven't touched on is the Zonai devices, which is, I guess, like. It's a, that's a huge new mechanic in itself that it's basically it's a whole bunch of tech that exists that you get in little capsules you can use them then to in, in your building and it's it's stuff that's a bit more recognizable in terms of a modern real life situation like wheels or mm -hmm. like guns <laughs> or yeah. like wings or batteries fans yes platforms Three I stocked up on all the time. It was... Uh, steering wheels. Steering wheels. Uh, yeah. Fans. Steering wheels and fans, number one. That's the main thing. You can do anything yeah. with a... Like, yeah. the steering wheels are so powerful. It's I don't know how the game powerful. does it. You put a steering wheel on anything that you build. <laughs> as long yeah. as it's got some sort of way of moving, yeah. then it you works. can control where... You can use it as a vehicle. Mm -hmm. it's, it's mad. Like, I remember seeing, like, the coverage of the game beforehand when it showed off those new... those These new abilities and thinking, like... Oh man, you're gonna have to build those like cars really precisely yeah. for them to work. You know that's not gonna work. No, nope. not only There's... that, but then you know, uh, in the case of like the uh, hover bike that everybody built, you just yeah. have to build it right once. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and then that was it. Because then you had auto build, and you just rebuild it. Yeah, I mean the hover bike is that's amazing, and it is literally just two fans pointing downwards, attached with a steering wheel in the middle at a slight angle. And yeah, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a hover bike. That is your go-to vehicle for getting around so many places, especially in the depths. Like, you can even put a, like a little light on the front to light, light your way. The other thing that's amazing is it became, it's almost like the, the mascot of Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. And it was a, it's not an official thing. No. It's not actually a, a schema. There, are, there is no schema of the hover bike. This is not an official thing. It was never made by Nintendo. It was never no. showcased by Nintendo. I don't even know if Nintendo was aware of it. And it's all you need because it's the cheapest thing to make. Zonite. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. if you don't have the parts, it's only like nine Zonites. Yeah. Zonites. Super cheap. It is incredibly versatile. It is pretty fast. It's a really great little thing. And it really is. It's the cheapest thing. It, and again, it's kind of like yeah, you can do everything with it. It can kind of become a, a crutch. Yeah, but also there's loads of instances where you can't use it. And also, if you're above ground, it's more fun to ride a horse. It, yeah, or even a even a, a vehicle. You know, like yeah, some, some, some sort yeah. Of thing. It's just it's but it's just it's it's just amazing. Like it's one of a million options you've got up your sleeve to solve any problem 
you want to do, you know? It's extraordinary. Every time you find this kind of crutch thing, not, as you pointed out, not, not specifically the hover bike, but anytime you see something that can be exploited too much, it makes you realize that Nintendo really made the right decision with breakable weapons in both games. Yeah. Because there's really, like, some very simple solutions with the weapons where you can just do the same thing and you end up finding, like, a very easy strategy. It becomes pretty tedious because it's like any game. Like, if you know exactly what to do every time, it's, it's, it's not fun. You know, but if you have to think on your feet a little more, then it's, a, it's way more exciting. You know? Absolutely. Speaking of weapons, let's talk about fusion. Yeah. Fusion's the second ability that allows you to fuse things to your weapons. And the possibilities are, I mean, not endless, but may as well be, <laughs> to be honest. And I was still, even after playing 220 hours of the game, I was still seeing things online and being like, oh, I didn't know that worked. Like, I didn't mm. know, like, fusing a piece of frozen meat to your shield and shield surfing on it makes you go really, really fast because you're basically making your own ski slope. <laughs> that's mad i would never yeah. even thought to do that you think of like the normal things like the the monster parts that drop so if you're dropping mm. claws and horns and stuff like that it's like yeah i'll fuse that to to a weapon because that's clearly what i'm meant to do or like fusing things like the mushrooms to your shield so you've got like that tactical element to it or fusing elemental things like bits of choo-choo jelly to your arrows to make fire arrows and ice arrows and stuff like that you do that stuff because it, it occurs to you and then you start to think a little bit sort of tangentially and you you discover something else but the best thing is when you're just like i wonder if this would work mm. and it does work how you think it would you know i like when the game sort of teaches you like there's one is it a shrine quest something where you have to throw a lance through something yes. really far away yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's no way you can do it just by throwing the lance yeah. So essentially kind of tells you like some sort of mumbo jumbo like way, you know, if yeah. you attach to blah, blah, blah to this. And it's, it's, I forget what it is. I think it's wings. Uh, you have to like fuse keys, keys wings. wings. Yeah, keys yeah, wings to the to, lance. To make, and then it's like. To make it throw, fly even further. <laughs> and I hadn't even like, thought about no. that being a possibility until exactly. that point. But it's so obvious as well. Because right, I like, yeah. I don't usually think of throwing my weapons as a, as anything other than. This is about to break. I'm going to throw it. Yeah. And like the spears and stuff like that, I I like because of their long reach, not because I can throw them. Um, so, you know, I just did not even think about that. Like you think about using the wings on the arrows to make them go further. That's, that's great. brilliant. And yeah. then I just didn't even think of it like that. Speaking mm -hmm. of arrows, the amount you can do with arrows in this game is absolutely stupid. It's so much better than in, in Breath of the Wild because you were just constantly... Like a bomb arrow in Breath of the Wild was so expensive yeah. and so difficult to find that you just end up never using it because it was yeah. not worth it. Yeah. And this is just constantly like, oh, yeah, 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 use this, use this, use it all the time. Like, you know, it's it, it's fantastic. And, of course, the, <laughs> the keys eyes oh. or the uh, oh my goodness or the octorok eyes or whatever eyes you, can you fuse find. any sort of eye to an arrow and it turns it into a homing arrow and it is wonderful. honestly just one of the greatest feelings in video games fusing a, a, a key's eye to an arrow and then like hitting one of the yu clans who's like on a vehicle oh. from far away trying to hit you something oh best. my god it's so, so it's so good delightful. it's so good it's yeah that never delightful. gets old that never gets old and what i really didn't realize and i only realized by mistake was that they won't stop they will go as high as as they can 
Really? And I, yeah, because I realized with the 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 Gleok. Oh, of course, yeah. At one point, they all start going really high. Yeah. And you have to generally, you're like, oh no, now I have to go all the way up there. Yeah. And I have to down. avoid damage and the whole way through. If you actually just use a keys arrow as he's going all the way up, it just will mm. keep going to him. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. it's incredible. The wonderful thing is that they've built elemental power into these things as well so there is even further combination that happens because you'll get like with the different keys you've got just standard keys you've got fire ones ice ones and electric ones and the different monster parts of those all then carry the elemental properties of them as well so if you want a homing arrow you've got it if you want a homing fire arrow you've got it Mm-hmm. If you want, you know, an electric arrow that's going to fly really far, you use the electric key swing. It took me quite a while before I realized that, like, the Lizalfoss horns of the different elemental ones yeah. actually will be like, oh, that's how I get a fire sword, or that's how I yeah. get an ice sword. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, it's amazing. One of the absolute potential game breakers comes in the form of uh, how you can fuse things to your shields because. I remember you saying, have you tried gluing a rocket to your shield? Mm-hmm. I was like, no. Uh, I was like, no. And he, and you were like, it's really fun. I'm like, okay, I'm sure it's fun. But it, I thought it'd be like the spring, like the springy mushrooms where like mm-hmm. if an, an enemy hits it, they spring off. You know, if, if they hit the rocket, it would like blast them off or whatever. That's what the bomb does. But no, if you fuse a rocket to a shield and you guard using the shield, your rocket shield will blast you off up into the sky, giving you oh, yeah. an immediate height boost. And... It's unbelievably helpful. Changes the entire way you play the game. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, <laughs> you can abuse it if you yes. want to use it to cheat your way through some shrines or reach treasure chests that you need to be meant to sort of solve a bit more creatively. Mm-hmm. I always made sure that I had about five or six rocket shields in my stash, you know, and I even had like special points marked on the map where there were like bundles of <laughs> Zonai rocket devices. Yeah. Like, someone who is playing this game and is not online at all and is not, like, talking to friends about it. Yeah. How much they must miss, you know, especially if they're not someone who generally changes their strategy once they have one in place. It's the kind of game where you could miss, you know, 90% 90 of the ways you can play the game. It's incredible. And still finish it and still do absolutely everything in the game, just not doing it in any of those ways. It's it's mind-blowing. Let's talk about Ascend. That's... I remember seeing this shown off in the in a, a trailer and seeing Link Link just poking his head out through the ground. And I was like, <laughs> "What? Why have they shown a glitch in the trailer?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and apparently, like it started as just like a dev tool to yes. help them get around quicker to test things out whilst they were making the game. They realised it was so fun and uh, the potential for it that they then turned it into one of the main mechanics in the game. It's just brilliant. It's amazing. And I, and I love that. That's That that to me is like, if you want to explain Nintendo developers versus other developers, that would be like the story to tell. Because it's, it's literally like everybody else would be like, well, we can't do that. No, no. This is serious business. This is video games. We don't. We don't do this. They're yeah. like, yeah, sure. If it's fun, let's just put if it in. If it's the fun, game. let's it's put it fun, in. That's if it. it's fun, let's put it in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the central like design philosophy, isn't it? For Nintendo, it's just like everything is. is like, how can we make this more fun? That's you know, literally, I think what Miyamoto now does for the past ten years at Nintendo or yeah. longer is he just goes around, he Saying, pokes his head, not fun sees enough. what the devs are doing, and they're like, nah, not that fun, mate. <laughs> like yeah, this is not. This fun. is. 
it could be more fun. Like, yeah. oh yeah, no, nah, no, this Look is at not the frame fun. rate. Look at the ray tracing. They're like, no, not fun though. Not fun. <laughs> 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 yeah, he first time they showed him Breath of the Wild, he spent th- apparently spent like an hour climbing trees. Brilliant. <laughs> Just that's all he did. Yeah, it's, it's got to be fun because <laughs> it was fun. They knew they had a hit. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the the way that they weave ascend into the dungeons and the shrines and the temples and just just the world in general just it makes you look at everything so differently yeah you do start to consider the verticality of everything even Mm -hmm. more than you are anyway from you know this game existing on three different planes everything within that like every building you go into every cave you go into you know every sort of ruin you're exploring you're thinking you're looking thinking what's up there could I yeah. get up there if I do that? And I especially loved it in in more des- in more designed areas like the dungeons mm. or the shrines, where they could kind of like really limit you, you know. Because in the world overworld, you can always like kind of do all sorts of things. In shrines and dungeons, they could really limit what you can do. Yeah. And the ascend thing, especially, was probably some of my favorite puzzles in the shrines. Was like figuring out, okay, I clearly have to use ascend, but I absolutely cannot. Yeah at this particular stage so i have to figure out how to use it which was always delightful to figure out so that was that was a yeah it was such a fantastic addition and in a way like all of these kind of made me i think that the you know the the root uh, of the of this kind of idea is link between worlds Hmm. because it was the game where nintendo suddenly said look it was before Breath of the Wild. This is 2013. Mm. So it's four years before Breath of the Wild. I don't even know how much they had developed anything of Breath of the Wild at that stage. It's the game where they were suddenly kind of let loose creatively. And they said, oh, okay, what if Link to the Past... And again, also kind of brought about by what people had been doing for decades with mods... And messing about with Link to the Past with randomizers and all that stuff was just like, hey, what if we just completely break Link to the Past and that type of top-down Zelda and we add this one mechanic, you know, the wall blending thing, which completely changes how you think about dungeons. And especially for someone who's been playing Zelda for decades, you suddenly have to completely change your mind, you know, your whole way of thinking about puzzles and stuff. And it's, that kind of shape-shifting thing is so delightful for the brain. You yeah. know, I can't really explain it, but that's why I love those games so much. It just completely, like, the way it makes you use your brain, it makes you feel smart, which is yeah. always nice. But it's not just that. that. It's like a gleeful, like, childish imagination thing where you're just like, oh, this is, this is so fun. You know, this is just so much yeah. fun to manipulate the, the, yeah. the world like that. It's just... yeah brilliant you know like i said the first time i realized you could ascend through stone taluses i mean again it's not just using these abilities in like specific confined ways to solve certain specific confined puzzles it's how they work with everything it's how it works within combat it's how it works within puzzle solving it's how it works within exploration it's how it works like thematically it's amazing. You can ascend through anything. I've seen videos online that people who literally just spent dozens of hours trying to do some ridiculous exploits, mm. like this thing where the guy like grabs a rock, lifts yeah. it up, 
stops it with recall or something, goes, ascends through it, then does some crazy thing. It's just insane what you can do with this game. Insanity. Let's talk about recall then. Yeah. Again, it, it's something that I didn't, I didn't really sort of feel the, the full effects of for quite mm-hmm. a while because its sort of example use is to just like reverse a, 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 a like a water wheel so that it's going the right way. You know, that's that's its very most basic sort of use right. as, as an example of how that works. It was similar in the way that the kinetic ability in uh, Kinesis in um, Breath of the Wild was yeah. like, okay, you can stop things. What does that really mean? You know, right. and it's not until you start to learn about like how the sort of stored energy sort of system works in that and how you can then use that in terms of puzzle solving and combat. Yeah. And all of this stuff that you you know you then start to start to really sort of get what it what it can do. And the brilliant thing about recall is is like we were saying about it's essentially it's your like undo button yeah. for building. If you didn't have that, building stuff would not be uh, fun. No, it'd be a pain. Like you build something and all of a sudden you put it down to put something else on and it's fallen off the cliff. Yes. That doesn't happen very often, to be fair. No, but. but if that did happen... In the sky, it happened way more. If you're trying to do a little, <laughs> yeah. like, something where you're trying to go higher up and suddenly the, your thing falls all the way down, like, that just would be so such a pain. To go back, again, to Link to, Between Worlds, it's about eliminating friction yeah. in gameplay. You know, I think Nintendo took a long, hard look, at, at least at Zelda, after the DS and Wii games. Even though they had positive reviews, it was probably the worst reviews they've had for that franchise ever, mm. for any, uh, all of those games. And the reason, the main reason people said they were not good is because they kept telling you no. Yeah. These were games that just kept telling you, no, you can't go there. No, you can't do this. You can't do that. You have to do this. And you have to do this absolutely unfun thing to get to this fun thing. But you have to do this for like the whole game. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, we can't do that. We need to find how to do the absolute opposite, which is never say no to the player. Yeah. You know? And Link Between Worlds was like, oh, you don't want to go to this dungeon first? No problem. You just rent this tool. You rent this tool. Or you can rent all of them. You have enough money? Rent all of them. Go where you want. Yeah, you can do this now. You can do this now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if you feel like it, go do this. Go do that. Go do that. And that's exactly what it is. And, and recalls the same way. It's like they don't want the player to suddenly be like, hey, oh, no, I just lost... I just spent 20 minutes building this thing and it fell off a cliff. And now I just want to stop playing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Now I just want to stop playing. I'm going to, I'm going to do something else. Maybe I'll never pick it up again because I'm so disheartened. They're yeah. like, yeah, we can't let that happen. So we have this really generous because recall, if you do it within, I think you have quite a lot of time. You could do like 10 seconds, yeah. maybe not 10 seconds, but like you have a, yeah. you know, it's not like and one of those it's, like... It's infinite distance as well. So yeah, if you exactly. drop something can, in, in the sky and it plummets like most a mile... That's the most incredible thing. Even if it's it. just a pixel on the screen, if you can target that, you can you can bring it back. And that's another thing with like, it, it, it's running on, again, it's running on 10-year-old <laughs> Android tech. But you can like <laughs> literally, oh, it's a speck in the distance. It's a pixel worth. You can grab it. That is it's incredible. And it really is. It's it's amazing. It was not necessary. It would still be a great game without it. It's like I would say. It's like uh, challenging versus. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's like I always say something I can't remember because my brain is that old. <laughs> a father of two, everybody. <laughs> no, no. It's 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 challenging versus frustrating. Yeah. Right. Challenging is fun. 
at least for me, at least for you, you yeah. know that. Like, challenging is fun, right? That's that. I love that. You want to challenge me in a game? Great. Especially if your game plays wonderfully and it's all like fair stuff that yeah. I can think about and jump right back in. One hundred percent. Give me more. That's what I enjoy. But if it's if it's you know frustrating, which is the opposite. It's like it's not that it's hard. It's that it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. To have to do every single time. Then I'm I'm gonna probably stop playing the game, and that's exactly what they're preventing. They're constantly it's clear that that's one of their main strategies, as yeah. far as how to make the game fun, is to prevent moments of frustration. Like you think of any other open world games, anything, even the great ones, they all have like stuff. It's like oh, this is such a pain. You know, Witcher Three has the boats. Awful. You go on the boat, you get attacked by a, oh, yeah. one of the sirens. Immediately, yeah. your boat gets destroyed in three bites. You're yeah. in the middle of the ocean. You have to either warp away or swim somewhere. Complete BS. Not fun. No reason for it. Yeah. None. There's yeah. no reason for your boat to be destructible. It's not a fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. There's nothing. This. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Why? Why? It's not even a hard game. Why are you doing this? No reason. Complete BS. Spider Man. The one before Miles Morales. Mary Jane's Mary Jane stealth oh. missions. Why? Yeah. Why? They're not fun. It's clear they're not fun. You've played them. You made them. You know they're not fun. <laughs> Why are they there? Like, there's no reason for this. This is awful. Yeah. There's no reason. And there's yeah. none of that. There's yeah. none of that. You know? It's or if there is, it's like completely optional and it's like, you know, mm. you don't have to do it at all, or whatever. Yeah. Why would you have that? It's 2023. Exactly. Re How many reviews have to be written? How many people have to write Reddit posts and Twitter rants about how garbage these mechanics are? Nobody likes them. Maybe there's one guy who defends it because he's defending the company and he refuses to criticize them. Nobody likes it. No one. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop. <laughs> Just stop. Stop doing this. Nobody likes it. It's not challenging. It's just frustrating. It's BS. Stop it. Anyway, what were we saying? Tears of the Kingdom's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Recall. Yeah, it doesn't do that. Recall no is brilliant. Recall is great. Again, like it's, it's another mechanic that comes into a whole new light when you use it in combat. Because probably my favorite use of it is fighting the Flux Construct bosses, mini-bosses. Yes. Uh, which are these huge monsters made up of individual cubes of mm -hmm. um, tech. And they can they can form into the, the shape of like a, a giant or they can go into a cube or like a, a platform or whatever. Mm -hmm. They can also be used to throw at you as well. Yeah. And there's one attack that it does where it throws like a line of them. And I thought to myself, I thought, if I can get on top of one of those quickly before he pulls them back, mm -hmm. I can use recall on it to send me back up to where it is like mm -hmm. floating in above where I can't get it. And, um, and of course that works. That's exactly how yeah, you're meant because, to do that. Because I think cause there's three different construct levels. Mm. And the first one doesn't do that. doesn't go that high up. It goes high enough that you can ascend. So you're like, oh, I'm yeah. smart. I can ascend. But then like the next ones are like, eh, no, no ascend. So you're like, oh, what am I supposed to do? You know? and, it, and its weak spot is on top of it. So you can't, you can't hit it from below. Right. And yeah, the moment when I realized how to use it like that was, uh, 
was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I think it, it, it's another example of Nintendo being sensible with what it allows you to do, which is auto-build. And the fact that you don't have to... If you want, if you build a car and you're really pleased with it, you can save it and build it again. It's not going to go, oh, you know, you have to, you have to build it all, all again because you used it and then you went inside a shrine and you came back and it wasn't there or whatever auto build is brilliant it's powerful for that reason it shows you a list of what you've been building so you can easily save it and favorite it Mm -hmm. Uh, but then also it gives you so many ideas of what to build and how to build by these schematics that you you unlock with them you know like we said in the yeager clan hideouts and some of those are just amazing like you don't even think that the game can work like that like there was like a auto cannon schematic which is just like a constantly firing cannon on top of a, a metal stake you can place it wherever you want you can place it wherever you want because the stake can be put into it into a surface or you could just levitate it yeah yeah and i was like why did i never think of that and all yeah. of a sudden like clearing whole caves full of rocks and rubble became an absolute breeze it's you know great. or like the fishing trawler the fishing that's my favorite yeah I love Tell it. Tell me about that. The fishing one is is incredible. So it's it's essentially built a boat, but at the front of the boat is like a you know a half box, like a, in the shape of like a little shovel essentially, and 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 it, and it has a little electric component that is just uh, constantly electrifying things ahead of it. So if you're in the water, as we know from Breath of the Wild, if you have a a certain circle of distance with the electricity, it's gonna fry all the fish. Mm. So you're killing all the fish, you're frying them. But because you're on this boat, you can just like go towards the fish and it keeps them all in this sort of, you can just yeah. like essentially fish for like, I don't know, a, a couple of hours and just end up with a gigantic yeah. pile, like a fishing boat. You could suddenly decide, you know, I'm just going to cosplay as a as a fisherman in this game and I'm just going to go around the map and, and gather just gigantic Absolutely amazing. I mean, that was one of the things when I played through Breath of the Wild, because I played through, I mean, I mentioned right. it probably in the first two episodes, I... Immediately after playing Tears of the Kingdom, I played through Breath of the Wild on Master Mode and um, had a wonderful time. But catching all the fish that I needed to upgrade certain things, I was like, need a fishing boat. (laughs) So we've talked about how the game works. Let's Mm. talk about where you can go with it. Shrines. Shrines. Tears of the Kingdom sees the return of the shrines that we saw in Breath of the Wild, albeit they are all new and in different locations and obviously totally brand spanking new inside and it's great to see the shrine quests return uh, where you have to go on a quest to open or reveal a shrine and usually those will reward you without having a you know a puzzle to solve because you've often had to construct some remarkable solution to the puzzle of just unlocking the shrine and there are shrines in the sky as well as in the overworld uh none in the depths but they they have their own challenges all in all there are over 150 shrines in the game that is yeah 150 and they are just wall-to-wall brilliance like each one has you thinking in a way you hadn't had to before and thinking about utilizing mechanics you hadn't thought of again it's environmentally teaching you how to use all of your abilities in all kinds of ways like in breath of the wild some of the shrines were quite expansive and felt more like mini dungeons but they've been massively streamlined in Tears of the Kingdom, which which I much prefer. Yeah. And there also aren't the out-and-out combat shrines that you got in Breath of the Wild, yes. like the, the major and minor tests of strength, uh, which would just see you fight off like a high-powered guardian of some kind. 
But Tears of the Kingdom has introduced a new type of shrine, which are the survival shrines, which very much echo what Breath of the Wild did with Eventide Island and mm-hmm. um, and later with the Trial of the Sword DLC, where it strips you of all your gear, your weapons and items and forces you to work with the few bits and bobs that are strewn around the shrine to defeat yeah. all the enemies. And much like Eventide and Trial of the Sword, they are fucking brilliant and really force you to change the pace of how you're playing, carefully consider every movement and how you approach every encounter. Ab- absolutely superb. Absolutely superb. What were some of your favorite shrine moments? Well, yeah, I mean, I just want to quickly say, because it says, all right, it says 150 shrines in Breath of the Wild is 120. So you're like, okay, it's only 30 more. It's not that generous considering it's a giant sequel. Well... Yeah, you could say that. Or you could say, hey, in Breath of the Wild, you had a gazillion uh, repeating shrines. Like, as, mm. you, as you pointed out, there's those battle shrines, and they start getting tedious. And then there's, like, they repeat and blah, blah, blah. There's about 30 of those in Breath of the Wild. And you start getting, like, I remember my first, you know, the threads kind of started unraveling in Breath of the Wild. And I'm saying mm. that it's, like, you know, it's a bad game. It's like literally yeah. like the second greatest game of all time, but <laughs> it's, uh, but I had the little thing where it was like oh oh another test of strength, the kind of disappointing like yeah. oh this game is so incredible. There's enough challenging combat wherever you want it, you know. Yeah, there's that, but it's also like oh great a shrine, and it's like oh no a, a test of strength, you know, or like uh, oh no uh, it's an immediate reward, uh, you know. It started feeling a little disappointing. Where you're like, especially the first playthrough, second playthrough, you know it already, so it's fine. But it was this disappointment of like, oh, I'm so excited, a new shrine, and it's a moderate test of strength. In Tears of the Kingdom, as you said, you have these these mini eventides, yeah. which are all different, and they're fantastic, mm. and they're teaching you how to play the game in the main game, too. Like saying, hey, have you thought of battling like this? Have you thought of doing this with the enemy? They're teaching you how to use... You know, the elements, they're teaching you how to use something destructible that you can, you know, destroy above the, the above the enemy or below the enemy and all that stuff. And it's just such a joy, every single one of those, you know, they're just so delightful. But it, as you said, they're more streamlined uh, shrines, but there's also more a variety of shrines. Yeah. One of the other things the Breath of the Wild shrines did, which I'd forgotten about because it was rubbish, was there was so many gyroscope challenges where you had to tilt like a Mm -hmm. roller ball thing and obviously this was a launch game for the switch the switch uh was doing uh, had a lot more gyro stuff to show off and it was part of that but it was not fun no it's not fun they were not fun i i i i I hated them and there was there's a lot of like sort of almost trial and error type physics puzzles yeah. in Breath of the Wild. Whereas everything in Tears of the Kingdom was is designed with such specificity. Mm. Have you got any specific shrines that uh, that particularly stood out for you? Yeah, like I think some of the ones that stick out the most are like the ones that it's not even immediately apparent that it's a shrine. You just mm. kind of like come across it and you're like, this is a weird little thing in the world. Mm. So one of this is one called Keys Born of Water. Okay you chance upon this weird sort of altar clearly fallen from the sky. So immediately mm. you're like, okay, this is not part of Hyrule. It came from the sky, so there's probably something to figure out. And it's three altars with different sizes. Uh-huh. And you just need to figure out that you need to put a melted ice sheet, you know, from that you create yeah, in the water. Right. There's a, there's a, it's right by the sea. But a lot of people don't know this. Like you can create ice if you have an ice weapon mm. or an ice arrow. 
you can even just throw an ice like a, a, something with ice, like an ice choo choo thing. You can just throw it into water. Throw it in the water, and it will create a perfect square uh, of ice mm. that you can just you can jump on it. You can fuse it to your weapon and make more ice. Yeah, you can just make a whole collection of those. Make a bridge out of ice. You can do all sorts of things with it. It's incredible. But if you know that you can create those, if you look at the altars, you see like, okay, this, I need to, clearly these are keys because it's an indentation in the wall. Mm. One of them is the size of a, of a sheet of ice. So you're like, okay, that makes sense. So let me do that. So you put that and it works. But then you have two smaller ones. So of course, what you need to do is melt the squares slowly so you don't melt it too much. And you can make a medium one and then a small one. And there's actually a fire right there too, uh, uh, unlit. But it, there yeah. is a little fireplace. So you can, again, they're, they're giving you all the, like the puzzle. It's, it's what you call the Metroid, bra the Metroid Brainia kind yeah. of a thing. Where it's like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know what this is. If you chanced yeah. upon this at the beginning of the game, you'd be completely lost. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you know the game well enough, you will figure it out. If you don't yeah. know the game well enough, you're gonna really, you're gonna have a really hard time. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's a really great one to figure out because they really don't tell you anything. It's not no, like someone's just... like, "Hey, have you tried?" A... No, there's not a there isn't an NPC telling you hints or anything. It's just there. That's a very very satisfying one. Very satisfying. I tell you a shrine that I absolutely loved, which I know gave you a bit of grief, was Courage to Fall, which is the one that's got a whole bunch of trapdoor floors. Yes, and yes, lasers. It did that... give me grief. <laughs> You need to try and get through these sections, avoid the lasers, because if you hit a laser, it opens a trapdoor and you fall through. You do that, there's like two or three sections. And the trick with this one is that the, the final section you need to get through, you get through it, avoiding the lasers, and there's nothing there. Then you can't figure out what on earth you're meant to do. And then you remember the name of the shrine is Courage to Fall. And you have to have the courage to fall. So you have to purposefully trip the lasers in the final one to fall through the trapdoors to the end of the shrine. It's wonderful. It's brilliant because someone who's completely reckless will <laughs> figure it out in two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas someone who plays cautiously and is like, oh, I'm not falling for that one, will get punished for that, which yeah. is great. And actually, I, I was going to say, I, all I needed to do was read the name, which I kept doing because I, 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 I've known since Breath of the Wild that if the name is a hint. Yeah. to a certain extent but I kept doing that and because there's another place you can fall there's an actual like hole and I kept yeah. looking for am I missing some sort of little cave at the bottom that I can like yeah. you glide know slowly into glide into or something and I kept thinking that way and then like thinking oh it might be somewhere else and and, and I kept just not falling for this trap you know yeah. <laughs> when eventually I just I don't remember I I, I think I just yeah, I think I just got frustrated. Maybe I just ran across it, just like, damn it all. And it was like, oh, here it is. Yeah, you know? yeah it was uh, It was great, yeah. There are so many wonderful things I just learned, like in the shrines, like how, just how robust the physics engine is. Like there was one shrine where there were these bits of fire that you needed to get over and there was like a broken bridge and the only way to get over the bridge was to put it on a set of wheels mm -hmm. for the wheels to basically walk the bridge over to make the bridge because yeah. you couldn't extend it yourself far enough that was amazingly cool it that was, was amazingly cool. cool it's actually it's actually the shrine that this this one dev i forget a, a very 
a big dev didn't work on Tears of the Kingdom, mm. showcased that particular shrine to say, this is mind-blowing. If you know anything about game development, this yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Like, they're essentially saying, like, look, most people won't get it, so I'm just going to quickly explain. Like, in a game, you build a ladder, and you think, okay, I built a ladder, it's going to work. No. In most games, it works like crap. Yeah. It doesn't work. You have to figure this stuff out. And he's essentially saying, like, the fact that this game, this bridge will actually do that and, like, mm -hmm. build itself and, like, go in a direction and just work out is insane. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that it doesn't crash the game and it just works seamlessly. Yeah. And that's clearly what they did for the last two years of development. It's just making sure that kind of insane development feat works. There's a few moments where in order to open some doors, you have to attach like a chain to like a wheel to then mm -hmm. like crank the door open. Yeah. And that's not, those are all individual elements. Those are working. Yeah. Like yeah. that's working. That's yeah. not, you yeah, know, that's actual, not simulated. That's yeah, not actual that's engineering. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It really Absolutely is. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, it's mind blowing. Speaking of physics, like in Breath of the Wild, there were sometimes, and like you, you do a shrine quest, and um, it will be so and so's blessing in in these in Tears of yeah. the Kingdom. All of these are Raru's blessings. Mm -hmm. You've had to solve a, a puzzle. You've had to do a shrine quest to get right to into the shrine, and then they give you a chest on yeah. on the inside of the shrine. However, there is one. Where you go in and you go, oh, it's a Raru's blessing. Okay, that's fine. Run out to the chest. What? <laughs> Physics on its head. The entire yeah. thing splits, flips. Yeah. And it's... Mind-boggling. It's amazing. It's just one. But depending on like when you stumble across it... I know. You never... It's... Every time you go into a Raru's blessing after that, you're like, okay, hang on a minute. <laughs> There's one I really liked. You go to an island in the sky... There are a couple in the in the sky where you have to find a crystal. Yes. You find a crystal and you have to bring it all the way to a part of uh, that island in the sky where it's usually far away and you're like, how the heck am I going to bring this there? And then you bring it and then it makes it creates a shrine. Well, there's one. It's in a tiny little island and it's just the island and a hole and it's right by a hole and it's just like, okay, there's a there's a crystal. You know, and maybe you figure it out the other way, but I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll just throw the crystal down and then I'll just dive after it, you know, and that's yeah. what I did. And you end up in this gigantic whirlpool in Lake Hillia in yes. its, and you just get yeah, all yeah, gobbled yeah. up and you, and you suddenly are in this like underwater cave yeah. with the crystal and you've just, you know, skydived this entire, you know, how, I don't know how many feet and it's just yeah. this incredible feeling. And you get down there and you're like in this underwater cave that was completely hidden. And you're like with that, you know, you suddenly see the little, uh, the shrine thing that you have to bring it to. And it's delightful. I yeah. absolutely love thing like, things like that. And that one was, you know, amazing. There was a fantastic uh, one of those where um, Chris messaged me and said, I've just, I've just finally unlocked this shrine. It took me 45 minutes. Uh, <laughs> it was so hard, like, but I finally did it. He was like, have you done this one? He sent me like the uh, the coordinates for it, and I was like, oh, "No, no, I haven't done that one. I haven't done that one." I, I was hundred hours ahead of him probably, but I still <laughs> still stuff I hadn't done because he'd gone in whatever direction he wanted to. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, I've got to go and check this out. Like, it's going to be a real brain teaser." And I went and did it, and I did it in about twenty seconds. <laughs> and and I called him up and I said, "Like, I said, like, how did you do it?" 
And he was like, yeah. well, what I did was, and it was one of those ones where there's like a massive apparatus in the sky and a little mm-hmm. miniature version of it that you can control to then control yes. the whole thing. Right. He was like, he rotated this thing to make a slope and then he had to drop the crystal on there to make a little shoot for it to come over. And then he would grab it and then recall it and this and that and this and that and this and that and this and that. It was amazing. Right. He did, he did it. Yeah, yeah. Like, he absolutely did it. And that was like a totally viable way of doing it. Right. Whereas I just moved the the apparatus where I knew <laughs> yeah. I needed it to do. I basically did yeah. the reverse movement. Mm-hmm. So I did it. I moved it in one place. I ran across. I got the crystal. I jumped back onto the apparatus. And then I hit recall. And then it rewound itself and I was holding the, yeah, I, the crystal. I, I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, but the only reason I did that and not his way is because I'd gone in a different order and I'd learnt that that was a way right. of solving something. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd, my brain had levelled up in a, yeah, in a slightly it's, different it's way, the, you know? Yeah, it's the, it's the witness thing. It's the, the, yeah. the brainier thing. It's like you, you learn this different... You have this yeah. skill in your head. Yeah, 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 totally. What other shrines were amazing? A retraced path. You have to drain the water that the shrine is trapped in inside a cave by bombing a spot underneath mm, yeah. in the cave. So you have to find the way to go under the shrine. Yeah. And then you're underneath it and you look really carefully and you can see there's like the ceiling is a little gravelly and you have to break it. And then it just drains the entire thing up there, which is very old Zelda of draining something. It's like, yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> Loved it. A reflective device. Uh, it was a shrine that makes you use the mirrors reflecting light. Oh, I would love yeah. those because it's like uh, Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker temple kind of a thing yeah and and those were really good that one was specifically good reflective device because you have to do the thing where it's like there's only this little one thing you can do it in and then you have to grab the mirrors some of the mirrors are like fixed and you have to uh you know you have to move them a specific way and then there's some you can find little mirrors that you can move wherever you want to yourself and you can put them in the bigger beam of light yeah. And then some of them are well hidden. They were like behind a little thing or like uh, under a pile of sand that you had to first blow something to uncover yeah. the mirrors. So there's like a bunch of mirrors. There's more mirrors than you even need, but they're all a little hidden. So it was it was delightful. It was like a it was it was a really great like old school mm. kind of wind wakery thing. I love it. Yeah. Imagine how good a Wind Waker remake would be in this engine. I've said this before. And, and if they added a couple of dungeons and got rid of the fetch quests. You know, and if they added an entire, like they've done with the depths in this, if they added an entire underwater, underwater section for the Great Sea, shipwrecks, caves. Or even was just like more of the, like the castle thing that you find underneath. You know, oh my God. A shrine that makes you use a giant ball in various ways to get a smaller ball. To unlock the pathway forward. Yes. Uh, that one yeah, was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So you really get yeah. to think a little outside the box and you're like, well, this doesn't work. And loved it. I mean, that's a, it's a real antithesis to the, some of the Breath of the Wild ones, uh, the way they use the ball rolling ones and the more um, Rube Goldbergy type machine stuff. Like, in concept, they were brilliant in Breath of the Wild, but in reality, they ended up becoming just a bit of a pain. Yeah. Whereas in Tears of the Kingdom, it, it just worked. No, it did, and and there weren't as many. They didn't do as many of the same ones. And the ones in Darkness as well. Yes, yeah. Because there was that whole section in Darkness in Breath of the Wild, in the um, all the ruins in the north. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Which I didn't even I'd I'd forgotten about until I replayed Breath of the Wild. I remember playing Tears of the Kingdom and getting to that area and being like, I don't remember this place being here, and it's because. (laughs) 
in Breath of the Wild, it's entirely in darkness and you don't ever really get to light it up. And again, like they did with Eventide Island, they basically boiled that whole area down from Breath of the Wild and presented it here in shrine form where you're just in absolute darkness and you can use like a Zonai device light or, you know, something else that makes like making fire or something and try and, uh, yeah, explore these things. And sometimes there's combat, sometimes there's puzzles to be solved. One of the bits I loved is where you actually need to turn your light off in order to see where the puzzle solution is because there's like a light coming out of the floor and you realise that there's a small crack in the floor that can then be ultra-handed out. and It's it's just wonderful. The optional chests, uh, I always love that in in all the shrines. And they're usually, what I love is they're harder to get than the main puzzle. Yeah. So again, it's a challenge thing. Yeah. But you don't have to do it. Actually, usually it's really something completely trivial. There's very oh, it'd be like like five arrows or something. Nothing's good. (laughs) But what I loved is there was one shrine where I looked all over and I was like, "There's no optional chest," which is literally not a thing. There's yeah, always an there's always an optional chest. It was a bunch of bowls, like a giant puddle of bowls, like a. Kind of like a gotcha machine thing where you like the claw machines. So to be like that amount of balls, right? Like just like hundreds of balls. I suddenly realized, wait, there's a million balls. There's no optional chest. I'm going to have to take out every single ball <laughs> with ultra hand and take them out until I find the chest. I'm sure it's there. And of course, I started gluing all of them with ultra hand. So just did like clutters of balls and taking them out and taking them out. And they made me dig for a while. I was there for like five minutes and I got all the way down and I suddenly found the chest. But it was so satisfying. Was was that, like, though, is that the shrine where you, you have to put like a, you have to basically build a cup onto yeah. a rotating thing mm-hmm. to scoop the balls That's out? That's correct. Because I just actually... made the cup bigger and it scooped all of them out. Oh, you did? <laughs> so they scooped all of them out yeah yeah oh. i did like a thing where i like and or like i i siphoned them off to the side or something like that yeah. i didn't even realize you could do that yeah As that's exactly that's what so I'm funny about. yeah yeah absolutely incredible but yeah there was another one where the optional chest was also extremely difficult to get and it was a shrine where you have to line up the balls with the ceiling hint mm. so you had to look at the ceiling to know where you had to put balls inside yeah. of a hole in the ground right yeah so for the main puzzle you had a bunch of holes in the ground and a bunch of balls so it was obvious okay i have to put them somewhere the problem is you have to figure out where and if you don't look at the ceiling you won't find the hints yeah so then for the optional chests there's a another room and there's a thing in the ceiling where the hint would be but there's no hole in the ground it's just like ground so then of course if you used ultra hand immediately you would have a a little piece of the floor that would look different and that you could remove and then you can put the ball in it yeah but if you're not using ultra hand and you're just kind of going around trying to figure it out you could be there for quite a long time and i was (laughs) (laughs) i think i found it by mistake because i was using ultra hand to bring something yeah. else around and yeah. I suddenly looked on the ground and it, it was shiny. Yeah. Love those things. So there we go. I mean, that is, I mean, we've talked about what Link can do, his fantastic abilities and where he can use them, specifically the shrines. And I mean, again, we've talked about what, 10 shrines there. There's 140 we haven't talked about and you can go and discover those all for yourselves. Or you can tell us what your favorite shrines are. Chat to us on social media at O3C Games or you can find me at Jonathan Dunn or at Jonathan Dunn 2046 on Instagram and Blue Sky, I think. Where can people find you, Casper? At Casper Merowitz on Twitter for now. 
on threads and on blue sky if you're lucky enough to be in this elitist club or you can join us both in the o3c discord head over to o3c.games and join us in the discord and chat about zelda chat about other things chat about video games chat about films tv music Ooh. tell us what you're playing oh we've still got so much more of this game to talk about what an absolute treat it is hopefully it's a treat for you listeners because it's certainly a treat for us and uh, yeah same time next month we will be back with part four our tears of the kingdom spoiler special see you later Thank you.